Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll get started. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for the truth and song that we were just able to hear and be reminded of. We are thankful for your faithfulness, Lord. I pray now that in these next few moments you would bless this effort to preach your word. I pray that the truth of your word would sink deep into our hearts today. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago or if I just thought about mentioning it and then failed to do so. So if this is a repeat statement, I do apologize. But a few months ago, I began doing what so many others have done in their personal spiritual growth, whatever you'd like to call it. I, I don't know the exact words for it, maybe. But uh, in my devotions, in addition to my normal Bible reading schedule, I began adding a proverb a day that would correspond with that day of the week. And like so many others have experienced, I have found this to be true, that it is a blessing and it is a help to have that proverb given to me once more. And so for the last couple of months, I've, I've read a proverb a day, a chapter a day. And uh, this past week, I was having my Bible reading time, and I was reading the proverb for the day. And I read a verse that just got my attention, and I thought to myself, goodness, that's what I'm preaching Sunday if the Lord gives liberty. And so I prayed about it, and I thought about it for a day, and as I sat down and prepared for this morning's sermon. I went back to it, felt the liberty to do so, and so that's why we're going to be uh, where we're going to be uh, in just a couple of moments. In doing that, in preparing for this, I also want to say this. Because we frequent Proverbs in these times of transition, I thought to myself, I wonder if I've ever taught this proverb before, if I've ever preached it. So I went back, and as best I can tell from my records, I taught this in Sunday school almost four years ago. So I'm guessing you're not still chewing on it and thinking about it and meditating on it. And so I think it's safe for us to revisit this proverb. So if you would, this morning, turn to Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10 is where we're going to be today, and as you find your place, I want to ask you a question that I would suspect has been true of most of us, if not all of us, but the question I'd like to ask you this morning is this, how many of us have ever dealt with someone that we would identify maybe in these terms as a blatant, obvious rebel? Have you ever dealt with someone that you would say of them, they are a rebel? They are blatant in it. They are obvious in their mannerisms, in their actions, in their attitude. How many of us have ever dealt with a rebel like that? I would suspect that many of us have. Whenever I was considering this passage and whenever I was considering my thoughts for the sermon I thought of my time as the youth teacher here, and I was reflecting on some of the kids, the youth that had come through the youth department in years past, and there were just certain kids that came to mind that I would say they were a rebel that was blatant, it was obvious, there was no hiding it, there was no disguising it. Everything about them just let you know. 
They didn't want anyone telling them to do anything. And the moment you corrected them, the moment you scolded them, the moment you tried to get their attention, they would buck up, they would throw their shoulders back just a little bit, and they'd let you know they had not given you permission to correct them, not for a second. Now, if you've ever dealt with a rebel of that nature, I think every one of us have had a thought like this pass through our minds. That that person has some hard, hard lessons coming their way. They will not get by with that attitude for the rest of their lives. It is going to cost them some serious pain at some point in the future. You cannot have that attitude. You cannot have that spirit. You cannot have that approach to life and it not cost you. At the same time, I wondered this, and I questioned this. I wondered how many of us would be able to identify with this thought. That we've had dealings and we've had interactions with someone, and their spirit was not the same as a rebel. Their attitude was not the same as the blatant, obvious rebel. Their, their demeanor was completely different than, say, that extreme example of the rebel. But I wondered how many of us have ever dealt with someone like this, that as you were trying to tell them something, you could just tell by their countenance and by their, uh, just their, their spirit, they're not listening to a word you're saying. They're just not taking it to heart. They haven't bowed up. They haven't thrown their shoulders back. They haven't gotten in your face. But, but you could just tell you're wasting your time trying to tell them anything right now. Have you ever been in a situation like that? They might even smile. They may even sit there and say, okay, sure. Yeah, oh, thanks. Yeah. But in the back of your mind, you knew you didn't help them at all. Not because what you said could not have been helpful, but because they just didn't want to hear it. Same problem, just a different attitude. But here's what it'll do. It'll produce the same results. It's still going to force that person to learn some lessons the hard way. It's still going to force that person to go through some things they wouldn't otherwise have to go through. And so regardless of how that person responds, again, the results will be the same. There is going to be unnecessary frustration, unnecessary disappointments, maybe some misery, all because they would not listen. They would not hear it. They would not take it to heart. And this morning as we consider that, I want us to keep this in mind. That is not just a problem that young people face. This is not just something that teenagers deal with in their adolescence. This is something that can plague anyone throughout any stage of life. 
anyone can be of this spirit that says, no, not interested, not going to listen. Now, I mention that for this reason. I want us to look this morning in verse number 17 of Proverbs chapter 10. I know that this is going to be reviewed, much of this anyway, for many of us. I want us to look at what Solomon said in the first part of this verse. He said, He is in the way of life that keepeth instruction. He is in the way of life that keepeth instruction. This is a general reference made to mankind as a whole. This is not just true for one person or for one group of people. This is a general reference that is made to all of mankind. And what Solomon does is this. He says of the person, of the individual, of you and I, he said, he is in the way of life that keepeth instruction. And again, we know this, that whenever Solomon speaks of the way, that that is a reference to a person's journey through life or the path of life that they are on. So we could say this this morning, and it be right, and it be accurate, and it be fair and true, that all of us are on a path of life. That may not be the way that we would normally describe it. That may not be the way that we would normally define it. But every one of us, we are on a path in this life. So as Solomon wrote these words, he said, He is in the way of life that keepeth instruction. Now, we're going to look at this a little bit out of order, but I want us to think about this word instruction and what it means. This word instruction is really, in this context, just dealing with the idea of correction. Of correction. I want us to hear this because this is so important. Solomon is speaking of correction, and the only time that correction is needed is when someone is off base in their actions or their thoughts, their attitude, something of that nature. All right? I have to be corrected, and you have to be corrected when we have gotten off in our actions and in our behavior. And this morning, I want to share something with us because it's important that we hear this, all right? It is so important that we hear this, that every one of us get off in our actions and our behavior from time to time. I do not care how spiritual and how godly we think we are. None of us get it right every time. I was thinking about this this week, and, and, and you don't have to agree with me on this. It's not going to phase the truth of it, all right? But I was thinking about it this week in relation to who I am as an individual. And I have to admit that as a husband, I don't always get everything right. I don't. As a dad, I do not always get everything right. As a son, as a brother, as a friend, I don't always get everything right. And even as a pastor, as much as I may strive to get everything right, here is what I know, I don't always get it right. I just don't. And I need correction. 
I need to be told that what I've done, what I've said, how I've responded, my attitude, my spirit, whatever it is, there are times that I need to be told I was wrong. Just yesterday, I asked Susie about a scenario, and I said to her, I said, am I wrong in how I'm thinking? And you know what she said? Yes, you're wrong. Now, I'm going to be honest with you and tell you that's not what I wanted to hear. I wanted her to tell me, of course not, baby, you're not wrong. No, you don't ever do anything wrong. You, you always get it right. But you know what she said? She said, I, I think you're wrong in this. And then she explained to me why she thought I was wrong. And at the end of the discussion, here's what I had to say. I had to say, you're right, I am wrong in this situation. I'm just saying, I need correction from time to time. Now, I'm going to make sure that we are all aware of this, okay? And I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm not trying to be, to be rude here. But I, I, I want to say this to make sure that we all hear this. And that is this. You, too, need correction from time to time. You need it. You are not the perfect spouse. What do you mean I'm not the perfect spouse? I did not stutter. You're not the perfect spouse. You're not. Sometimes you're rude. Sometimes you're obnoxious. Sometimes you're hateful. Sometimes you're selfish. Sometimes you're just not mindful of what's going on and it's all about you. You're not the perfect spouse. So sometimes you need to be corrected. How dare you? No, I'm just saying, let's be honest. You're not perfect. You're not the perfect parent. You're not. You make mistakes with your kids just like everyone else does. You're not the perfect employee. You're not the perfect friend. You're not the perfect church member, just like I'm not the perfect pastor. I don't know how else to say this, but you ain't. Every one of us mess up. What do we need when we mess up? We need some instruction and we need some correction. We need somebody saying, hey, you're out of line right here. Now, here's what Solomon said. He said that when a person gets this instruction or the correction, he says he is in the way of life or he is in this path, this journey of life when he keeps that instruction. So what does it mean when Solomon says he is in the way of life? It just means this, that you are going to experience life to a, to a greater extent when you keep that instruction or the correction that you've been given. What does it mean to keep? It means this, to observe it, or as I referenced just a moment ago, when you take it to heart. 
When you take that correction that's been given and you apply it to yourself and you say, you're right, I needed that. Solomon says the overflow of that is, is you are in the way or the path of life, an abundant life, a life of joy, a life of contentment, a life of satisfaction, a fulfillment of purpose. He said, when you really take it to heart, that is when the way of life is yours to enjoy. I want, us to, I want us to hear this because this is so important, all right? Essentially, we could boil it down to this. Solomon is saying, when you have a teachable spirit, you will have a way of life that is better than if you don't. If you will take it to heart. Here's how I would illustrate this. If Susie approaches me about something that I've done wrong and I take it to heart, it's going to make things a whole lot better in my relationship with her. If the kids approach me about something that they feel I've done wrong that is out of line and I take it to heart, guess what it's going to do? It's only going to enhance things and make things better. If someone here in the church comes to me and they say, hey, Brother Kyle, I'm I'm not trying to overstep my boundaries. I just want you to think about this. You could have done things differently. What you said is not the way it should have been said. If I will take that to heart, It will make my life so much better. And the same is true for you, that if you are willing to take to heart the correction you receive, your life is going to be better. If you have a teachable spirit, your life is just going to be better. That's the bottom line. You want a better marriage? Take to heart what your spouse says. You want to have a better relationship with your kids? Take to heart what they say. You want to have a better relationship with your parents? Take to heart what they say. You want to have a better relationship with your friends? Take to heart what they say. You want to have a better relationship with your pastor? Take to heart what he says. It's fairly simple. Take it to heart and have a teachable spirit. Don't act like you don't ever make mistakes. Because we all do. Have a teachable spirit. Keep, take to heart the correction that is given. And Solomon said, the way of life will be yours. But notice what he went on to say in verse number 17. He said, but he that refuseth reproof erreth. But he that refuseth reproof erreth. So whenever Solomon speaks of reproof, what is he talking about? He's talking about correction. Shocking, isn't it? It's the exact same idea associated with the word instruction. Reproof is dealing with correction. So he says, he that refuseth reproof erreth. What does it mean to err? It means this, to wander or to go astray. 
to wander or to go astray. So the question would have to be this, what does a person wander away from or stray away from? The context lets us know exactly what Solomon is talking about. It is that way of life. See how simple this is? Solomon is saying, now for the person who refuses reproof, here's what they are doing. They are wandering and they are going astray from that way of life. So when a person refuses to accept correction, you know what they are doing? They are choosing to make their lives frustrated and miserable. Maybe not immediately, but that is what they are choosing for their lives. Because they choose, because they choose to not have a teachable spirit, they are basically declaring, I want to experience frustration and, and, and disappointment in my life. I, I don't want to have satisfaction. I don't want to have contentment. I don't want to have fulfillment. I want to be a frustrated person. Somebody says that's ridiculous. I'm just saying that's what Solomon said, that when a person refuses this reproof, they are wandering and straying away from the path of life. Which means all the joy and the contentment and satisfaction that could have otherwise been theirs will not be theirs long term. So this word refuse, it almost sounds like the attitude of a rebel, does it not? I refuse to take correction. I refuse to have anyone tell me what to do. I refuse to have you correct me, my precious wife. I am the man of the house and I know what I'm doing. That's what it sounds like, right? Sounds something like this, maybe. I refuse, Brother Kyle, to have you tell me what to do. You are no more godly than I am, and I know what needs to happen, and I'm going to make it just fine without me or without your help. I don't need you telling me what to do. I mean, that's kind of what it sounds like, right, when we refuse something. It's interesting. This word refuse not only could carry that connotation, it could also carry this. To just neglect something. Or to omit it through indifference. Think about this. To omit, to just kind of write off, to just kind of disregard through what? Indifference. It's a completely different spirit, is it not? It's, it's a completely different response. It's not that verbal, strong opposition to what we've been corrected with, but it's this, I'm just going to omit it and disregard it and neglect it. For what reason? Because I'm indifferent to what it is I've been told. To what's been brought to my attention. 
maybe it's something I needed to hear, and it's not something I'm going to get mad at. It's not something I'm going to get offended by. It's not something that will make me bow my shoulders back and, and say, how dare you? I'm just not going to listen to it because I'm indifferent toward it because it's not that big of a deal to me. Again, to try to illustrate this, just so that we understand what it is I'm talking about, it would be something like this. When Susie approaches me about something and I say, okay, yeah, babe, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 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 You know, that kind of a response. I didn't threaten to slap her. I didn't tell her to shut up and sit down and don't ever talk to me that way. I didn't have that kind of response. Just indifferent toward it. You know what proves I was indifferent to it? Nothing changed. Babe, I really don't like it when you do this. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. But nothing changes. I'm omitting it through indifference. I am refusing that correction. Not with this violent, hateful response, but just with this, yeah, whatever, I don't care. It's that same approach that takes me away from the way of life. Follow this. When your spouse tells you something that is important to them because they think you have gotten something wrong and they've actually got a case for what it is that they're bringing to you and you say, oh, okay, yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure. But you don't do anything about it to change it. You have omitted that through indifference. And you know what you are doing? You are taking yourself away from the best life you could possibly live with your spouse. You weren't a jerk. You were just indifferent. When your kids come to you, when my kids come to me and they say, Hey, Dad, hey, Mom, I'd, I'd really appreciate it if you didn't do this. Oh, I'm sorry, baby. Yeah, I'll, I'll quit. And we keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over. Omitting through indifference. What does it do? It eventually has a negative impact on the relationship with the children. If a friend comes to us and they say, hey, listen, what you said, I didn't appreciate. What you did, I, I didn't like it. And, and, and I'd really appreciate it if you didn't ever do that again or if you would do this. And we say, oh, man, I am so sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I won't do that again. And then you turn right around and do it again somewhere down the road. You know what you had done? You had refused the instruction or the reproof. And it caused you to stray away from what would be the best relationship you could have with them. When there is no taking it to heart and there is this indifferent approach, it causes one to stray from the way of life. So consider this, please, for just a moment. 
in our spiritual lives when we are corrected. We can show all the right outward responses to that correction. But if we don't make the changes, you know what we've done? We have refused it by way of omitting it through indifference. All I'm trying to say is this, is whenever the Word of God confronts us, whenever the Word of God challenges us, we may not get mad. We may not, again, throw our shoulders back and say, how dare you preach that? How dare you say that? I can't believe that you would suggest such a thing. We may even sit there with a little bit of a smile. We may even sit there and say, okay, sure, sure, yeah. Amen, yeah, I probably ought to work on that. Yeah, 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 sure, you betcha. And we might even be pleasant about it. Listen, but if we don't do anything with it, you know what we're doing? We're dismissing it and neglecting it because of indifference. And by that, we are wandering away from the way of life. We do not have to be blatant, obvious rebels to refuse instruction and reproof. We don't have to have an attitude. We don't have to be obnoxious. We don't have to be, we, we don't have to be a jerk to refuse it. All we've got to do is dismiss it with an attitude of indifference and not take it to heart and essentially what we have said is this I don't want to be corrected I will not make any changes I will continue doing what I want to do and you know where that will lead us eventually a frustrated miserable life it really will. Talk to people who go to church every week, but they don't have a teachable spirit. They're not the happiest people you'll ever meet. You know why? Rebels do not have happy lives, regardless of how they express their rebellion. Doesn't matter if it's the blatant, obvious rebel or the one who just quietly, politely dismisses that correction. Doesn't matter. In the end, the one who does not have a teachable spirit, who will not make the changes, they are not enjoying the best quality of life because we cannot be of that spirit and still enjoy life the way it was designed. And it goes against our flesh to want to accept correction. Does it not? So we've got to work on it. We've got to work on it. To say when the correction comes, I'm going to listen. I'm going to take it to heart and make the changes that need to be made.
we might need to ask ourselves this morning, within my heart, is there still a touch of rebellion that needs to be addressed, that still needs to be dealt with? Because I don't want to be told what to do by anyone. Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, I come to you this morning. I pray that you'd help each of us to give some consideration to this thought of having a teachable spirit, what the benefits are if we do and what the consequences are if we don't. Lord, there is no doubt that some in this room have a very teachable spirit. They just want to do what's right, and they don't mind being corrected. But, Lord, for the rest of us, it goes against our flesh. We just don't want certain people telling us what to do because we think we've got all the right answers. Lord, would you help us to realize today just how wrong that attitude is, no matter how we portray it, and what the consequences will be long-term if we hold to that attitude. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.